0: You are listening to Islam and Liberty Podcast. If you are looking for more, you can find it on our website at islamandlibertynetwork.org. We have articles, papers, and conferences on all aspects of Islam and freedom. Today, we have a discussion with Muhammad Suhail Umar and Ali Salman. Muhammad Suhail Umar is the former director of the Iqbal Academy Pakistan before joining the University of Central Punjab and specializes in Sufism and the intellectual history of the Indian subcontinent. The discussion is about the history of the Islamization of knowledge and its current standing. Today we are having a discussion uh, with uh, Muhammad Suhail Umar, who is in uh, Kuala Nampur these days on a conference uh, being organized by ISTAC. Uh, Muhammad Su- Suhail Umar has a long established uh, academic career in Pakistan and also he has contributed in the discussions on Muslim thought in, in different uh, countries. Uh, he served Iqbal Academy in Lahore for uh, 30 long years. and. Uh, Uh, Currently he is associated with the University of Central Punjab as an academic Um, and uh, I think one of the important aspects of uh, his uh, life and his academic contribution is his association with the debate on Islamization in general and Islamization of knowledge in particular and I thought that this discussion can help us understand the the, the genesis of this movement which started about uh, 40 years ago and uh, may provide us insights about discussion today and um, the effects of this movement on the Muslim uh, societies, uh, especially on the intellectual dimensions in these uh, societies. So uh, Professor Suhail, thank you for joining us. And I would like you to maybe start with uh, describing your personal association with this debate and taking us a little back into the history and then explaining to us what this Islamization of knowledge stood for and and
1: today where do we stand in this this context. Thank you, Ali. My first encounter with and later on some association with this idea and its uh, ramifications was in the late 70s in the conferences, and, uh, which were held in various places and obviously in Pakistan as a young man attending these uh, events which were in a sense implementing the ideas and the policies that had emerged from the Makkah Conference and later on in different uh, deliberations. And with hindsight wisdom when I look back on all these developments of the late 70s and the 80s, I look at it as a Muslim response to the failure of the Enlightenment project, or the Enlightenment humanism that the late high modernity had bequeathed through us. Well, throughout the Muslim intelligentsia, there was a growing awareness which had started with Alama Iqbal, with his responses to the Enlightenment project, to the basic worldview of modernity, its shortcomings and its uh, excessive psychological psychological obsession with the worldview of modern science. And the process which Iqbal had started with his reconstruction as well as his uh, poetic works or poetically mediated thought then penetrated the Muslim mind throughout the Muslim world. And decades later, all over the Islamic world, various responses percolated in various forms, started to emerge. And one of these was that we should have our own assessment of the human, of the the Islamic perspective, our own worldview, our own categories of discussion, our own Islamic ethos should be, we should carve a niche, an intellectual niche, a space for our own voice our own responses, our own perspective. It's and it, it, it was a, a culmination of a process or an ongoing intellectual activity in the Muslim lands in various forms for about five decades, or more than five decades, which culminated in this uh, collective response to give a collective response which uh, previously was being done by Muslim scholars since uh, their encounter with modernity or uh, during the colonial period. But this was an, it, another uh, um, opportunity to raise the Muslim voice and give alternatives to and try to explore and present to the Western, especially the modern and slightly postmodern positions and the enlightenment uh, positions that... The earlier generations had faced from the West and the challenges which these enlightenment project and uh, highlight modernity posed to the Muslim Muslim mind, Muslim perspective or the Muslim worldview. This was now a kind of a culmination of that whole process that has been fomenting throughout uh, uh, in the last, in the previous five, six, seven decades. And kind of a reclamation of the intellectual space and the the intellectual discourse and finding a respectable place on the intellectual map of that times. That finally led or emerged in the form of this Islamization of knowledge debate. So this is very helpful. This is the historical background and
0: genesis of Islamization of knowledge. But if we take a step forward, and if we try to understand what are the, let's say, the main arguments of the Islamization of uh, of knowledge, uh, would you be able to describe some of these basic
1: principles, or basic arguments, or or intellectual positions? Yeah, the foundational thinkers who were uh, leading this were basically asserting or reclaiming the sacred, hmm. in the sense that in every f- field, when we say Islamization of knowledge, that was a rubric to, and the underpinning idea was that in the modern world, in all its myriad forms of uh, uh, intellectual uh, pursuits, all the sciences, different forms of philosophies, social science, they have been cut off from their transcendent roots, transcendent noetic roots. And if I can borrow from Peter Berger who had uh, very perceptibly said that a human condition bereft of transcendence is in final analysis an untenable and precarious condition. So this awareness which was grounded in the previous debate of encountering the West that all the Western academia, intellectual environment, worldview is through and through permeated with this lack of transcendence, or turning its back on transcendence, and uh, as Berger said, it's finally an untenable position. So reclaiming the sacred in all the disciplines and binding it back to it, its transcendent roots—that was the overriding, overarching idea uh, of all these endeavours, which then uh, was, which was then spread in different disciplines. Taking an example from any of these economics, once it was defined in the western paradigm or the enlightenment paradigm as pursuit of wealth, with absolutely no reference or no connection with any transcendent principle, completely horizontal. Then it, how it developed, if this principle was the foundational formative principle, what Appeared later on was based on the principle. Then it translated it to itself into practice through financial institu in, in, in the form of financial institutions, economic uh, theories, etc. Et Re- revisiting it, challenging it with the Islamic alternative was one of the examples. How this, uh, which I described as reclaiming the sacred or reclaiming the transcendent dimension of an applied side or a discipline or a science which had drifted away from it. So are you saying that let's say um,
0: as you mentioned transcendent reality and you are saying that modern western knowledge has drifted away from these roots and sort of the idea of sacred is, is missing but are not we then sort of mixing uh, the the spheres of knowledge uh, let's say the, the sacred and the profane that You know, there are, of course, some issues which we can discuss under the sacred framework uh, as as believers in God. But then we also understand that there are some issues in which uh, there is no system of thought or maybe sometimes principles exist. So is it a requirement then that we should adhere to a sacred source to understand some of these worldly issues? You mentioned economics. Or our human beings should freely pursue to find answers, you know, regardless of the sacred instructions is exist in those issues or not.
1: Yeah, this was an attendant danger uh, in this whole undertaking, that while it was acceptable or desirable or in, in, to some extent necessary to go back to the transcendent roots or uh, reconnect or to reclaim, but in some parts as you rightly pointed out, where there was no need or no uh, justification of uh, raising this objection or applying this principle to that domain was unnecessarily pursued. We can say that it it was a kind of a uh, leakage of a valid true principle into a domain where it was not relevant but where it was not required which gave rise to uh, certain anomalies to give it give to you a very absurd example that while discussing islamization of uh, some uh, scientific discipline the discussion or the inquiry went into the direction of uh, gauging the, the 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 temperature of jahannam or mm. <laughs> the height and weight of the jinn, mm. these kind of things, which was neither theoretical or nor mm. no, no, required. So you, you are right. And th- 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 these are something which uh, might not uh, have concerned or might not have any impact. But if the same attitude when it came to the practical aspects or those very important domains of human society or human situation like economics, finance, there again was kind of a mix. In some cases, it was necessary to revisit the, the, the principle, the, the, these uh, governing principles or guiding principles of that discipline, which were which were in term informed by the enlightenment uh, paradigm or by, by the perspective or worldview of modernity, and then suggest the alternative. First bring out or uh, describe the deficiencies Shortcomings and then suggest an alternative. That was fine, but this also drifted into uh, unnecessary lanes where uh, it was not required to raise to even raise the question of the sacred or reclaiming of the sacred or reconnecting to the transcendent, because these were the domains which, according to the Islamic lights, uh, were situated in the domain which is towards which Sharia or mm-hmm. sacred or or the Islamic law is indifferent, Mubahat. So they unnecessarily drifted into those areas as well.
0: If we look at uh, the medieval medieval time period in which uh, Muslim scientists, uh, philosophers and other notable men of knowledge were contributing towards the development of these fields, they were probably following their empirical observation. uh, The early evolution of medical science, contribution of Ibn Sina or uh, the development of algebra, I mean, there, there might have been a sort of a religious motivation there that uh, when the Senate Quran urges Muslim, Muslims and human beings to be critical thinker and to use our reason uh, to observe the world. But I do not see a direct connection in the discovery of these sciences with the, uh, with, with, the, with the idea of sacredness, if I can explain in this this term and i think they these intellectual giants were contributing uh, regardless of whether this was a part of the uh, their understanding of religious obligation or not they were contributing in the so- social development in their time and the way when i when i read uh, muqaddama ibn uh, khaldun i also realized something very interesting for me at least was that while he was referring to the the you know, history of why nations would fail. He was just plainly describing political and social factors. And while he was quoting uh, Quranic verses, he was not using those Quranic verses as a as a, as a premise of his argument. But he was using it as a you know some examples of universal truth of how uh, of how uh, uh, hist- history history can change and uh, or history, hist- historical evolution takes place. But then he was observing and he was describing his observation and same goes to other sciences. So,
1: Uh, how would you respond to it? Another way of looking at… I move backward from your last uh, comment. Another way of looking at the same Khaldunian approach or attitude Mm -hmm. could be that he was concerned about social reconstruction, Mm -hmm. about whatever he was going uh, to do because of a religious impulse or a religious requirement would be a too strong word for that. Right. Which his overall religious perspective, his relationship with the sacred uh, devolved upon him as a Muslim to do that. It's just not, it was no no vain curiosity Mm. or just a sociological pursuit, his academic pursuit. It had very strong connections with his religious commitment Mm. and with his sacred worldview which he shared, which his Islamic civilization had bequeathed. Earlier you had mentioned Ibn Sina, that they were cultivating science and various disciplines of science and medicine and etc. And they were doing it not necessarily because of a religious impulse or a connection. But remember, this is which sets them apart with the, the present day modern attitude which we wrongly attribute to our Muslim scientists as well. Because when Ibn Sina explicitly says about the rationale, about what is, is uh, what does it mean when you do a Muslim scientist is doing science. And he explicitly says that science should be scantia sacra. Mm. The science, what should, should science should be is that through its starting from its empirical investigations. If it's true science, it should lead you to the one unitary principle. So in their view, science was not devoid of uh, an uh, underlying worldview, which in a sense uh, uh, was defining its directions and uh, defining its objectives. So science was for Ibn Sina explicitly another way of approaching or investigating reality. But very much different, unlike the discussion or I- ignoring the question of reality of fujud in the Western mode, the Western world. So our philosopher scientists there, you, you would find a, a a variation or a difference between uh, in emphasis. For example, in biruni science is more dominant as compared to philosophy. In Ibn Sina, philosophy is dominant over uh, science. But they are always a mix. But, and. But in both dimensions, combined in one uh, personality, philosopher-scientist, the intellectual sciences and the empirical sciences, both, had the common goal, the shared objective of taking you through whatever discipline they are making their investigation to this ultimate realization, through their own processes, through their own modes of epistemological modes of uh, investigation, But the aim was that differentiates them from the Western kind of a scientist.
0: This is an interesting insight which you have shared. Because otherwise, the just to continue on that, but um, we can move on to the Islamization contemporary in contemporary sense. Uh, Because otherwise, church historically was seen as antagonistic to science. There were several arguments uh, which you know modern science then was able to refute. What how, how the religious clergy uh, once thought about the universe. But I think that that is something uh, which you are describing that Muslim scientists, philosophers were both empirical. They were observing how things are and they were perhaps describing the relationship but they were not devoid of the transcendent reality. So they were re- linking with these observations with the ultimate question of existence. And they
1: did not uh, face that situation hmm. vis-a-vis their religious establishment, which you find in Christian the best scientists, Fezabi, the church. That's a, that's another important historical
0: uh, difference. So, if we fast forward to where we started a discussion earlier, um, you know, we often talk about the intellectual crisis in modern Muslim community. Uh, first of all, do you think that there is a kind of intellectual crisis, or are we just being overcritical about Muslim societies? in general in in the context of their present contribution in the field of knowledge and then do you see any relationship between islamization and uh, current status
1: uh, or or what's your view on that i think it was because of uh, a growing dissatisfaction about the intellectual hegemony of the west which contributed to this that these why are we Being forced for long to the parameters are defined by the other, the categories are defined by the other, the discourse is shaped by the other, the principles are imposed by the other, and then we are asked to comply. So, one factor could be that, that growing dissatisfaction with the intellectual hegemony of the Western paradigm, the Western worldview, or modernity. And on the other hand, a growing awareness of our own the richness and the myriad possibilities of alternative ways of thinking, alternative ways of investigating reality and looking at reality that the Muslim and all the other traditional uh, civilizations have always offered. Both combined a dissatisfaction with the intellectual hegemony and seeing the failure of Enlightenment paradigm, the failure of the worldview, of a lack of worldview with the rise of uh, postmodernism in the mid 20th century, which which unhorsed modernity and uh, refuted or uh, refused to accept monopolizing claim on reality, and coupled with its uh, incredulity to, towards meta narratives, whatever the postmodernism had its shortcomings, but one thing was certain that it replaced modernity. So both these things combined in the Muslim world, that dissatisfaction, uh, the intellect response or a reaction to the intellectual hegemony and re- realization that this mode, this paradigm, this worldview has failed. And Muslim civilization, among other traditional civilization, is, has the richest sources, most profound sources of alternative kinds of thinking which gave the nerve at that uh, historical moment, at that moment in, uh, in time, gave the nerve or the courage to the Muslim mind to stand and speak that look, there is a failed project, we have alternatives to offer and this is how we want to go about articulating these alternatives in various disciplines. I, I have uh, several uh
0: thoughts now or questions. So, one is about the failed uh, modernity project as you described. We understand that uh, this discussion is happening within the West itself.
1: Yes, very much. Um,
0: and, um, and there is a degree of criticism on, uh, on both, let's say, democracy, economics and, and science itself in this context. Uh, but I also find these societies, the Western societies, uh, largely open in open societies, in terms of intellectual discussions, and uh, this richness is there, and this criticism is there, uh, not just at an intellectual level, but I think also at political level. So, first of all, I think this—I this, would slightly disagree uh, with this assessment of the failure. I would not—I would not call it a failure. I think it's, it's an ongoing intellectual project or uh, evolution is, is happening, and we are discovering uh, some of the pitfalls of democracy, limitations of capitalism so that's happening and cap- and alternatives are emerging uh, within those from these societies as well and second thought is that uh, you mentioned intellectual hegemony uh, are you implying that if there are let's say strong voices from the muslim societies in particular but also other who are inspired by sacred idea of of knowledge is there any explicit coercion or or ignorance which is conscious ignorance from, uh, let's say, the Western intellectuals to undermine these in alternative sources of knowledge uh, because that is what, I guess, hegemony in terms of power would imply. Or is is that we have not produced enough intellectual horsepower to actually challenge and actually
1: critically evaluate that? Your thoughts? Both these aspects are present here and both you, you are correct in noticing that there was a deficiency and because of that realization or of this deficiency that this whole process started of our producing enough horsepower as you say. For example, there has been a long uh, illustrious, successful chain of orientalists studying the East. Hmm. But how many occidentalists right. has, has Muslim world produced? to study its opponent, civilization, and which challenges it in in a manner which never happened before Mm. to Islamic civilization. And then the general decline and decadence in the Muslim societies which was observable everywhere. So this was also. Mm. But on the other hand, Mm. there was a kind of inner Mm. renaissance, you can say, Mm. within the Muslim mind, the Muslim, uh, Muslim world, which was trying to cope with this situation had developed over the the previous uh, half a century sufficient means through its first-hand encounter with the West then its uh, instruments of defense which they developed and they are revisiting or rediscovering their own intellectual sources to come up and then uh, suggest this, uh, this, uh, the, the, all this discussion about alternative ways that they were going to offer. So, what's happening now?
0: What do you think if you look at these universities? Okay, we had Islamic universities developed 30 years ago. We had one Islamic international university in Islamabad and then Islamic university in Malaysia which were arguably established precisely to do this, uh, what you have described, alternative Muslim intellectual response and then, then there were institutions like ISTAC, like triple i t established in uh, in both countries but also other countries i'm sure but i, I think the intellectually these country countries did have this contribution uh, what is your stock taking uh, of these in, institutional efforts because resources were provided governments uh, supported and uh, but where are we
1: today this is an area where uh, it's difficult to uh, say something categorically, it's a kind of a mix. Mm-hmm. And when the quest, and that was the difficult part of it as well, that after all that talk of, on the doctrinal level, on intellectual background, principles, when it came to translate this new vision into practical terms and then building of institutions and other instruments to gain that, to, to reach that objective, our stock taking i it, think it, it's not very bright in the sense that uh, the the institutions the, these were which were established for a variety of reasons and at the same during the same decades other movements or currents of uh, thought or different uh, ideologies within the islamic world many factors contributed to the outcome the final result, where we stand today, is that all these uh, the institutions, uh, initiatives, undertakings for that alternative uh, thinking, with a huge input of uh, resources, turned out to be not as successful as it was claimed, and not as successful as it was visualized by the original <coughs> thinkers who were leading the movement and where they ended up where we stand now is in many of the cases no more than replicating the earlier modes of thinking the paradigm the very paradigms which they criticized and duplicating or just changing the veneer of the existing content and systems under an islamic rubric this is the most, uh, uh, the, the extreme form of failure that we can, but that's not uh, the complete story. Hmm. No doubt that these failures are there. And uh, when we look at these uh, institutions and other initiatives which you just mentioned, we find these failures and uh, to some measure some success. So it's all a mix, but by in an overall assessment, I think that Islamization movement or Islamization of knowledge in various disciplines has not achieved what it wanted to achieve. That is, in a real sense, providing an alternative way of thinking, alternative paradigm, alternative worldview, and then showing in practical terms how this alternative paradigm, alternative worldview makes the difference in the sciences you teach the ways you pursue the disciplines you uh, you practice and then their practical implications in social reconstruction in uh, scientific endeavors and other uh, domains politics and economics etc and they have a, they had a very limited uh, impact on the actual societal play one thing and also as the movement uh, unfolded to take a, an example from, uh, again from economics, the, the doctrinal discussion, the doctrinal analysis of economics and Islamic economics and un- Islamic economics, it, during the course of the unfolding of that uh, movement, imperceptibly shifted towards or drifted towards financing, Islamic finance, because that was the practical need of the society and started doing something else which was about financial assets and banking and and, and uh, the discussions about economics and Islamic economics and non-Islamic uh, economics went into the background. So in sum, there is uh, where we stand now, we have not achieved much. But during this process, now we have at our disposal, I think, uh, myriad forms of materials, Some platforms, institutions, other things which can be used and turned into the right direction and on which the future, uh, the coming generations can build something positive. That's a very optimistic conclusion, Professor Suhail. I I would like to one thing more. If it has not delivered much on that intellectual plane or uh, strictly speaking epistemological or uh, Hi. at least it has given to a large number of muslim uh, muslims all over those regions of the muslim world where this uh, movement has any kind of influence a uh, self confidence and some regaining of their self esteem hmm. in some cases inflated inflated and, and and in some cases it's not it's un, it's, hmm. it's just a false uh, uh, confidence or a very shaky confidence but Whatever uh, positively it has given, that is another contribution we can add. Uh,
0: I think as you mentioned, the emergence of these institutions and then these individuals uh, itself uh, provides uh, some degree of uh, evidence uh, about the outcome of the Islamization of Knowledge Project. What I personally feel that uh, there is a need of um, deepening of our own uh, knowledge base about the sources of criticism which exist on, at least in social sciences today. Sometimes I'm surprised that while the Islamic economics is largely critical of capitalistic mode of production, but the, for instance, the discussions about moral sentiments, which Adam Smith himself also introduced uh, prior to wealth of nation, is um, is not acknowledged uh, and is not as much debated as you mentioned things like Islamic finance, so there is a degree of um, I think sense of the values and sense of principles and and uh, morality which is part of the discussion about the, the modern economic theory also, but that is somehow is, is not acknowledged properly. And I believe that if I if, if I if I were to draw the example from a different field, politics, and what. Um, in Tunis um, has happened and how Sheikh Ronushi uh, has uh, sort of moved away from what he earlier called uh, Islamic uh, democracy to what he now refers to as Muslim demo- Democrats. We call himself mm-hmm. and his party that we are Muslim Democrats and he has uh, also interestingly uh, created this division at more practical level. Uh, a political party and a religious group are now separate, separate in terms of the organization. And in that sense, the I think you were highlighting about what can be contributed positively to social development can be achieved by being more pragmatic and being more also conscious of the discussions
1: happening around us, uh,
0: which, which can further enrich the discussions.
1: Certainly, certainly. This uh, realization that something had gone wrong in uh, this amalgamation and now these two to be separated and the social reality and the political arena, we have been making a mistake in dealing with these two domains Mm. in the way we did in the past. Mm. And we have to rethink and uh, for after this rethinking, if Unushi has come up with this idea of separating these two, which is being, I think, if not followed, very uh, keenly studied in other parts of mm. the Muslim world because the failure is Muslim worldwide right and uh, a realization or a this this disappointment is also felt everywhere so if somebody is doing that avant-garde thinking mm. for them even places at the other side other end of the Muslim world like Pakistan mm. are paying attention to what Gunushi is saying mm. it's uh, it's a sign that the they, the realization of the prob- problem is shared, hmm. and alternatives which are being thought out here are also considered there favorable, because every Muslim region, politically speaking, has its own particularities and problems associated with the, those particularities. But this thinking or this uh, <laughs> I can't sh- shouldn't say radical, but new vision has. Uh, to a large extent, again, relevant to them as well.
0: I think this has been very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your uh, observations on the history of the Islamization of knowledge and standing today. We hope that this will improve our understanding uh, at least about the intellectual dimensions in the modern and contemporary Muslim societies. So, this was Suhail Umar and um, uh, we look forward to your comments on this conversation. And that wraps up this week's episode of Islam and Liberty Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, come visit us on our website at islamandlibertynetwork.org. If you enjoyed the show and would like to support us, you can donate to us through our website. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next week.